Hey Logo Geeks, Ian Padgett here and on this week's podcast we're going to be discussing a fairly serious topic and that's mental health and to help me talk about this I've invited Abby Lemon on the podcast. But before we jump into that I want to briefly talk about branding mock-ups. So what I mean by that is images of say a mug, a bag or stationery that's been created in a way so that you can really easily add your logo and identity to those items so that they look like a real life item. This type of image is amazing for things like presentations as you can help your client to visualize the logo that you've designed for them in real life use. And I feel this also helps to get faster approvals too, because your client can actually visualize how their logo might be used rather than just seeing it on a white piece of paper. And also, once your logo has been approved, you can use those same images in case studies to attract more clients too. Now there's a few ways to create images like this, but one of the easiest ways I've come across so far is via a website called Placeit. They have over 16,000 images to choose from and by simply uploading a transparent PNG of your logo, you can see it on different things from clothing to iPads to business cards to mugs, pretty much anything. And one thing that really blew my mind about this website is video. Yes, you can actually add the logo that you've designed to a moving video. And uh, it's seriously incredible. And it's probably one of the most impressive ways that I've seen to present your work. You know, imagine (laughs) showing your client a video of someone wearing a t-shirt with their logo on and, and it's actually moving. You know, these videos look realistic. So it actually looks like you've had a t-shirt printed and you've arranged for a video session to be done, which I just think that's amazing on its own. So if you want to go and check that out, head to logogeek.uk forward slash place it. For transparency, that is an affiliate link. So if you sign up via that link, you will be helping to support the Logo Geek podcast at no extra cost to you. But it is a site that I use myself and I absolutely love. And it's how I've actually created a number of the images in my portfolio too. I've been really impressed by what they do. So again, to go and check them out, which I highly recommend, head to logogeek.uk forward slash place it. And to spell place it is P-L-A-C-E-I-T. So anyway, as mentioned this week, I want to discuss quite a serious topic, and that's mental health. I've spoken about challenges that I faced uh, with anxiety a couple of times on this podcast and also in a couple of interviews. Uh, One that comes to mind in particular is the interview that I did with Christo on the Future channel. So I'll put a link to that in the uh, show notes and I I recommend listening to that if you want to know more about my story. But I'm aware in the design space that there's a lot of others who suffer with mental health, some of them in silence. And there's a few out there who don't necessarily know what to do or where to go for help. And that's why I've been keen to do an episode around mental health to discuss how I've struggled with it, but also how just opening up and reaching out for help has literally changed my life. So to help me discuss such a serious topic, I've invited my friend 
Abby Lemon on the podcast. I met Abby through one of the graphic design Facebook groups. And after adding her, I noticed her being really open and transparent about her struggles with mental health. Uh, Not many people are brave enough to do that. And I could see that it was helping others. So I, I thought she'd be the perfect person to be on as a guest uh, to have a a really honest open frank discussion about mental health and uh, to talk about what we both struggled with and how we both been able to reach out for help and work through those times so I my hope with this episode is that it will help you if you're suffering with mental health problems to open up and to start speaking about it and get the help that you need and even if this episode just helps one person, I, I I feel that we've succeeded. So in this episode, I chat with Abby to discover the the challenges that she's faced with mental health and how she's worked through that, and uh, also how she's been able to build a, her own business around it too. Uh, we also learn how she's been niching down and a few book recommendations too. So let's get straight into this. Here is the interview with Abby Lemon. On Facebook, I've noticed you openly share your story about mental health. And as someone who's suffered from anxiety, I appreciate the honesty and and openness. Mental health isn't discussed enough in the design space. And that's why I thought it'd be great to get you on the podcast so that we can have an honest and open chat about this. And I hope it will help someone out there. I think to start the discussion, can I ask you to share with us your story and how mental health has played a part in your life? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so mental health has always been something that even if I didn't know it has played um, a massive part in things that have happened to me and things that I've done and and therefore my my life. Um, I guess even in childhood, I remember feeling different from other people. I remember being a very shy and kind of um, a bit of a loner, if you like, as a kid, um, right up to to now. And, and I was actually diagnosed with bipolar 2 in 2014 and have had um, over the years probably more clinical, dep- clinically depressive episodes than I have hypermania. So it, it's kind of... Um, my story from kind of, I guess, a, a teenager that I did seek out quite a lot of dangerous behaviour. I was, I was always, you know, I've, I've, I've been through phases of spending so much money that I don't have, and, and having these random crazy patches to, you know, absolute black episodes where I've not been out of bed. I've you know, contemplated the worst, shall we say, you know, I've thought about driving my car off the road, I've, you know, had some, although I've never acted on anything like that, the the thoughts of it being just too painful to, to go on, and that life is just too much have been um, present on for three several periods over the last, um, I would say, 25 odd years. Um, I'm, I'm, you know, as an aside to that, I'm very lucky at the moment that the past I would say 12 months or so, I've taken my health incredibly seriously. I've got myself free from a quite a negative situation relationship wise that I was in. Um, and I think um, 
realistically external factors play a massive part in my wellness um and i've been i've taken steps really to to make sure that i'm well at the moment i look after myself i'm in a very good place and i'm kind of seeking i guess to understand more about um you know how my brain is working and and how i can continue to be in this good place from from here on in mm. well i mean first of all thank you for being so transparent then i i know personally i've got friends and family that suffer with um, problems as well and i think just the the sheer act of actually acknowledging that something's not right and working through it is is important and i can see that you've done that and now you seem to be in a in a really good place would would you mind um talking through how you went about getting help and how you've worked through the the problems that you recognized yeah absolutely um I guess the first time that I really um, got official help, if you like, was I was in my teens. I guess I was probably 18 or 19. Um, Again, I had been through a phase where I was pretty much rebellious. I was probably, I was quite off the rails. I dropped out of college. I was big into the rave scene. I was doing things I shouldn't have been doing and basically seeking out danger, if you like. And it kind of Looking back, I could see that was a, a hypermanic phase, but at the time it just felt like partying and just being quite, you know, crazy, I guess. The blackness that kind of followed at that point, that kind of ni- age 19, I guess, um, was pretty intense. Um, and I actually realized that I couldn't I didn't know what to do I think it wasn't that I thought oh my god I'm have, I'm mentally ill or I need some extra help it was just like I don't I can't go to work I don't know what to do I don't know who I am anymore um, and I ended up just just going to the GP and just basically dissolving into a massive puddle of tears to the GP um, and just explaining how I was feeling and it wasn't that I was scared to do that. It was just, I didn't know that that was even the right place. And I didn't know who to tell, you know, my my family live abroad. I was kind of alone, if you like. And, and it was, um, I just didn't know who to reach out to. So I just took the decision that I need to reach out to someone because I'm really struggling here on my own. And, um, and that was the GP and they, um, they were helpful, obviously, you know, they were supportive. They, I had some therapy at the time and, actually started to realize that reaching out for help was probably the best thing I could have ever done at that point Mm, yeah I I can relate with the Mm. idea of getting help because whilst I haven't gone through things like you have I growing up I had problems with being very shy and I've always thought it was quite normal but I don't know if you've had it, you know, when you need to do public speaking or presentations, Yeah. I would get proper, like really panicky and, uh, you know, my heart would be racing and I'd be so incredibly terrified of it that there were times when I made myself ill so that I didn't have to go to school and yep. found it hard that way. And it, for, for me, it got worse as I got into adulthood. I, I developed stuttering as a teenager but -hmm. what I did is I just avoided those words so things like return so I still stuttered a little (laughs) bit there but going on the bus I had to say return to King's Hill Mm -hmm. which is my school but what I decided to do was just give the bus driver the money and walk on (laughs) I made sure to have the exact amount and uh, so I I stopped doing that and I, I just avoided saying those words but when you get into work you have to say people's names. You have mm. to say certain words. You can't get around it. And and for me, it just got um, 
you know, really bad. And then I just recognized that I think a lot of people are scared of public speaking. I think that's quite common. But for me, things like uh, shaking whilst eating. Mm. So there was a time when uh, uh, there was a group of us around the table with really watery soup and there's me panicking about eating a bloody bowl of soup. which is ridiculous but it was a a number of things and I just acknowledged something's not right I'm just going to go and speak to my doctor and see if there's anything to do and and get help in that way and and I did personally and there wasn't an immediate solution just talking about it and knowing what's causing the issue and knowing what you can do to work through it for me helped immensely Uh, absolutely and I think um just like, like you said, just opening up and just saying it out loud to somebody, it kind of, I always call it naming the beast, you know, it, it kind yeah. of names the beast so that you can then, once you know what you're dealing with, you can then kind of find a way, um, or find a way around, you know, some way of kind of dealing with it. Um, and I think, I mean, I was in, the, the last very bad episode that I had was 2014. I was and I th- working in a corporate job, so very high pressure, you know, good money, really kind of just so much pressure though, just so much pressure and, and so much, you know, I had so little control, I guess, over my environment at the time. And I think, you know, with, uh, you know, reaching out is one thing, but I think when you're um, in a situation where your external environment can really contribute to how you're feeling in your mental health, I think reaching out, finding the right person to reach out to is is quite sometimes a bit more difficult and a bit more scary mm-hmm. because, you know, it to the outside world, you've got a great job, you do, you're doing well, you've got everything going for you. But on the inside, you're kind of considering doing, you know, driving off the road or throwing yourself downstairs mm. to avoid going to that situation. Now, I know this is quite an extreme um, thing. And I think um, as a designer, I am now lucky enough that I have my own business and I can I don't have to go to that corporate pressure job. I don't you know, it, we can create a world for ourselves that are maybe a bit different to the person that loves the corporate job, but we can create this environment that supports our mental health and can really kind of, um, I can't think of the right word, give us comfort, if you like, you know, and and we can manage that around how we feel, um, which I still feel incredible gratitude for. And that, you know, because I know now that if I have a really bad day or if I'm feeling low, um, I can have a bad day and no one's going to see it necessarily, you know, and it's, um, and you can find out those things to to look after yourself in that way. Mm. So I'm just curious then that corporate job, did did you make the choice to, to leave it because you was feeling overwhelmed in that, in that position? Um, Yeah, I was actually, um, uh, it was a kind of mutual, I'm going to leave situation. I was, I had five managers in three years. Um, I found the last, the manager, I had before my final manager was amazing he was so very supportive he understood I told him about you know how I and you know I wouldn't say he made allowances because that wasn't the case my work was still Mm. done I was still you know but he understood kind of how my how I worked if you like um the last person that came into the role a year about a year before I, I left the job um was very inexperienced she refused to actually talk about any mental health issues as being something mm-hmm. you talk talk about even though I'd you know I, I had my union it sounds really awful but I had the union were kind of trying to help me through this and everything um and uh in the end we kind of both decided that actually I couldn't I wasn't going to continue in the role and, and I knew that I couldn't anyway I, I knew I couldn't so 
I wouldn't say it wasn't um it was but a two-sided thing um mm. and I decided to leave yeah mm. so I mean after that I guess you was in a situation where you no longer had a job anymore nope. what was it that made you think okay I'm going to start my own business um, I mean, I was already doing some design stuff on the side because that's what, um, you know, that's just what you do, isn't it? You kind of um, you know, I had little projects going and everything else. So it wasn't um, it wasn't an entirely new thing at that point. I did have something sort of on the side, if you like, that, that I was building up. But I kind of I mean, I had to earn money. I had to support my family. You know, I had to contribute to the house and everything else. And um, the only way I could see at that time that I was really in a massive black hole the only way that I could see that I could contribute anything was to um do do something that I could fit around myself if you like and, and yeah. around my my health rather than having to be somewhere at 8 30 in the morning and having to still be there at 6 30 at night it was it, that level of kind of dictates um on your life I found really really difficult to handle when I was in that low patch mm. it's good that you was able to work through that I know it's not um, I know it must have been really hard. I'd love to know how you actually went about building that around your health. Um, I guess part of, I think, the reason that I'm so well now and that I, I can cope with, with you know, my, my health and everything else is I've really kind of spent a lot of time on personal development. Um, as cheesy as that sounds, I was introduced to Tony Robbins of all people when I was um, in my early 20s. And, and I never really understood the whole personal development thing until I think probably about five or six years ago. Um, and I've so, you know, I, I've tried to get to know myself from a um uh, a kind of personal development perspective. I studied neurobiology and cellular biology as an open university degree when I was also just coming out of that last black spot um so I wanted to learn how physically my brain works and everything else um so to kind of I guess the the, the point I'm trying to make there is is I, I spent time knowing myself and knowing kind of how I felt and and what how I felt before a crash was likely to happen or the first signs of um, a hypermanic episode or, or something like that. It was just kind of ch checking in with how I felt on a daily basis so that I could take steps to, um, to, to not let it go too far or just to have a bad day. So that was kind of the first thing was really getting to know myself um, to build a business around my health. I guess that was, I love what I do. So that helps, you know, I'm, we're lucky as designers, we, we have a passion for what we do and it's, you feel like you're kind of expressing yourself in some ways and, you know, you can, sometimes it's not quite like that, but you know, you, you generally speaking as a designer, you do it and you get into it because you, you enjoy that and you, you kind of, you're a, a creative type of person. So that helps. Um, I think it's a lot of, there was a lot of just bloody well get on with it as well which is really hard when you're coming out of an episode of, of depression um obviously I was also on medication as well so that helped lift me from the kind of hole if you like I would I you know I, I'm I, I wouldn't say medication is a solution for everybody on a long-term basis but it, you definitely if you're that low that you can't you know physically claw yourself back to some kind of normality then it's you you have to you know understand what it can offer you and, and how it might be able to help so that really did help me um at the time as well kind of give me that little lift if you like to then be and be able to 
oh, I'm going to get dressed today. I'm going to take my laptop to a coffee shop. I'm going to start, you know, contacting some of my old clients and perhaps I can do a logo design today. And, you know, but, but it, it just all those little steps every day. And it wasn't always, you know, there weren't, there were days when I didn't and there were days when I did. And, you know, it, it was um, the same as anyone. It was, it was really really hard sometimes but you do just have to decide that's what you're going to do and you have to just wake up some days and just just do it even if you don't feel like it in any way shape or form um yeah so it was tough but it but it's it's kind of also built some scaffolding and foundations for even how I run my business now because I I think even though I'm not depressed and I, I don't have the mood fluctuations I used to the fact that I've got this kind of backbone now that is like, okay, so I don't, I don't feel like it today, but, but I'm self-employed, you know, some days you don't feel like it if you're, if you're employed or whatever, but I, I, I have that kind of backbone that says, right, I know you don't feel like it today, Abby, but we're going to get up and we're just going to, we're going to do it. And, and then it, you know, and you do. And I think that discipline from deciding that I was going to be well and I was going to do something different to what I'd done for the past sort of 20 years before that um, was another factor in in trying to build something that was supportive rather than something that took a bit of me away. Yeah, yeah. To be honest, I can imagine anyone would relate with that because I found, um, I, I mean, in terms of my background, I've worked in corporate jobs for like 10 years and it was maybe three years ago that I decided um, I wanted to work for myself but the company offered me a part-time position so I I worked for myself on a part-time basis and it's funny when you work for yourself and you've got no one there to kind of (laughs) tell you what to do and you've got no sense of pressure or anything like that is I, I think everyone's the same I, I I faced this anyway yeah when my alarm went off at 6 30 in the morning I'm like no (laughs) (laughs) and uh you you really just need to sit down and get on with it um because you know in a a nine to five job you have to be there at nine even if you don't feel like it you have to sit down and you have to get on with work even when you're tired when you're ill or whatever you, you just sit down and get on with it and I think when you work for yourself it's the 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 same thing I mean I I do understand when you're low because when I when I started my business I was coming out of a relationship and my mom just died and stuff like that I felt really low at that time and um that was on the back of my mind the entire time and you just feel really like down but you just have to get on with it because you need things to be um done so I, I think you know for everybody even with mental health or not that's that's good advice. Yeah, now, I'm just yeah. thinking, I, I just want to kind of backtrack a little bit back mm. to what we were speaking about earlier, because I, I want to make sure that we cover it. So there was a point in your story when you said that you went to the doctor yep. and you broke down, you asked for help. Yeah. We didn't really go into how they helped you and um, yeah, how you worked with them to, to get the support that you needed. Would you mind giving us... No, no, Would you mind talking through that, what what the help and support looks like? Yeah, at, at the first time at the age of like 18, 19, um, the, I would say the help came in the form of the GP prescribing me some medication and I had some counselling. I wouldn't say at the time it was, I didn't know what I needed. So it was kind of, you don't know what to ask for or to, to you know, you kind of just get what you're given when it comes to the NHS, which is fabulous because they're there, but... 
I didn't, you know, that's, that's kind of how it was at the time. So I, they gave me some antidepressants. I had some, some counseling. I kind of felt better after taking the, the tablets and, and having some, some therapy. And that was kind of, um, I get that, that was kind of it, I guess, for that period. Um, I went on to, I guess, the next time I went to the doctors and was on, because I, I was only on those tablets for, a, 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 you know, I don't know how long, a few months maybe, and then then came off. Um, the next time I was really quite low was, I think, after my daughter was born. So that would have been in 2001. Um, I I didn't have postnatal depression, but I did have very bad social anxiety. I didn't want, I was like almost like agoraphobia. I didn't want to go out of the house or I just felt like people were looking at me. It was just horrible. Um, so I went back to the doctors then and I would say that the support I got the second time because I was a bit more educated, a bit more wiser, a bit older um, was better because I didn't just kind of get what I was given. I kind of went in and said, look, this is how I'm feeling. I gave them a bit more information, I guess, about my situation as well. And that again, I was on medication again, but I, you know, my GP was very good. He used to, they used to follow up with me like regularly to check I was taking my medication. They used to ring me every so often. Um, again, had some counseling, which was, which was really helpful. Um, it, so this, I think the second time, because I kind of felt a bit, I, I sort of, I, because of the first time I'd almost gone away and looked up what depression was and I'd looked up what, you know, and so I'd kind of was a bit more kind of educated, I guess, as to what possibly I was out there and, and how I could, you know, what, what I might need and how I also how I was feeling and how to describe that. Um, so I felt the second time they were, um, it was a bit more supportive because I felt like it was, it was a bit more ongoing rather than just here's the pills and off you go. Um, it felt like they were kind of there a bit, you know, every sort of step of the, the journey, if you like, over the coming few months for that. Um, I think the worst thing that I did in that time, which um, I think has probably impeded my um, health and everything else, was I was never fully honest with the doctor as to how I was completely feeling because I was embarrassed to talk about it. So if I'd have, I think if I'd have let the GP into the darkest corners of how my thoughts were at the time, um, I just felt like I couldn't say that. So, and, um, you know, it, so it was, I think that was something I probably should have talked about more with them and felt that I could open up more. But, you know, I, I know it's sometimes you go there and you, you kind of, you tell them some, but you don't say it all because you're, you're afraid of what they might think of you or, you know, I don't know, um, so I, I should have really been a bit more, a bit more open and and probably almost confided in in my family a bit more as well, because I kind of kept them at, at arm's length at the time, too. And just sort of it was in my own head, if you like, which kind of makes it even worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know it can be that way. I mean, I, I think it's worth for the uh, listeners as well, if I go through what yeah. I did. So when I recognized that I had something wrong, I, well, I, it was actually when I was at the doctor because I needed to register a new doctor. We did a health check and I mentioned some of the problems that I was having with a number of things. And the nurse said, I, I potentially have social anxiety. And she gave me a card for something in the UK called talking therapies. So it was something that they had in the area okay. where I used to live. And that was kind of more like a hotline but they actually had a place where you could go as well. So I think I just wrote them an email and then they called, they invited me in. That that first session, I felt so mm. uncomfortable going <laughs> in. It was this, I don't know, it just felt really 
I felt like there was something very wrong with me and it was really uncomfortable going into this building. But the, the, the lady I spoke to was lovely. She um, asked me to talk through what was happening and then they booked me in for some, you know, one-to-one time. Basically, it was just in a room with a guy who's trained in mental health and stuff like that. And he, he didn't go into anything what I, I was expecting him to. I thought I was going to be laid down on a bed <laughs> and I thought he'd be asking me to tell, tell me about my mother and stuff like that and really go into the childhood. But he just he just literally went through, explained how the brain works and the reason why I'm facing this and Mm-hmm. Uh, what's causing this and he went through something called uh, CBT and it's a type of therapy where uh, the three different areas are associated and if you change your uh, your behavior you can influence everything else and he just basically spoke through how it works how fear happens and gave me some exercises to try and uh, <laughs> some of the problems I had at the time things like shaking whilst eating in public or you know holding a glass or something like that after one session with the guy it solved my problem amazing which was amazing and it was just so helpful to have someone explain how the brain works cbt is a yeah it's a wonderful thing actually it really is Mm, mm. so it's not quite the same thing but i for, for me that one Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a few sessions with him and a number of telephone calls, but those few sessions I had with that guy changed my life. Yeah. And I'm so thankful that I acknowledged that there was something not right with me and I went to go and get help because I know people that don't get the help and, you know, they suffer with these problems all the time and I think it's good to talk about it. Yeah. And I'm always, always, always open for someone to reach out because I think just like I I think I said before, just naming it, just saying the words out loud or just even just kind of admitting to yourself that there's something that's not quite right. is such a big step. It's such a big step. And it it kind of it feels like a valve being slightly released, you know, that kind of pressure that builds up inside. Um, and um, so, yeah, and it. it and I think the creative community, there's there's lots of us creatives seem to um, have these things that we kind of bottle up and, and the pressure and yeah. things as well. I know. Um, and I know, you know, amongst men as well. I, I know there's, you know, lots of men out there that kind of, I, I know women too, but there, there seems to be a big thing about male suicide um, being mm. quite like one of the, the causes of death, isn't there, for, for young men. And, and, and it's just... It's just awful that these these guys feel like they just don't have someone to reach out to or, or can't they feel afraid to reach out to somebody. Yeah, yeah. I think it's worth saying that everyone's problem is different mm-hmm. and the the two of us are not qualified necessarily to help with this. All we're doing is having a conversation about what we faced and how we've got help. So, you know, if there is someone out there that does need help, like I mm-hmm. said, talk to a friend talk to a family member if you feel it's more serious go speak to a doctor it's, it's worth doing because you can hit both myself and abby are in much better places because we did go and seek help and um if you are listening and you are in that place please go and get help i don't want you to be one of those people that um you know where the worst happens that's a, an awful situation it is um yeah absolutely and i think um you know and i know um now that if I did feel feel low again or the same with you in that you would 
go and, and speak to the right person so yeah it'd be the first thing that I would do yeah. and uh, you know, I've got friends and family to, to be honest in the creative space is actually a lot more common than you think if people yeah. have something wrong with them um <laughs> and uh all of the people that I know that have accepted that they have something they've gone to get the help and whilst there isn't always a, a solution you know medication does not solve the problem it just helps you work through it but just getting that that extra nudge or that extra bit of help allows you to work through it and um and I you, kind of want to encourage yeah. people to open up so. <laughs> and I think you said the word acceptance there and I think that for me is kind of one of the biggest things that's helped me you know run a business that's helped me get to where I am where I I kind of I, I could put hand on heart and say I am well um mm-hmm is this acceptance that actually, you know, maybe things are a little bit tr- trickier for me sometimes, or, you know, it's just, it's just different. There's a slightly flexible brain chemistry going on or something that's just not, you know, um, but the acceptance of that and the kind of um, the, the feeling that actually I accept that today is not a great day, but tomorrow this is, you know, tomorrow I will get, I'll be back and it, and it will be fine. Or, you know, I, I have actually a tattoo that says, um, one of my favorite sayings which is this too shall pass and I I kind of that motto I know it's a bit cheesy but is my it's kind of my my mantra if you like because I know that the the really you know the really amazing days when you're you're feeling great and you think nothing can you know touch you and you're kind of everything's rosy you know that that too will pass so you've got to appreciate those those days because then they won't be like that forever and and that's you know kind of a gratitude thing but those really shitty sorry to swear those black days um you know they they will pass as well it nothing stays the same everything's kind of in this kind of cycle and this fluctuation so for me when I have the good days it's a reminder to be grateful and kind of appreciate it and to kind of use that energy as like a battery charge if you like Mm -hmm. um for those bad days when I'm and then also that will pass as well and and just kind of reminding myself of that so yeah yeah um something silly that I do is everybody has bad days and I try to imagine it like a moment in a film and it's like oh this is the bad bit in the film and you can imagine the sad music and I don't know it cheers me up in some way and I know that you know like with a story every story has its ups and downs every person everybody has ups and downs through their life so if you're a real low just keep working through it you know try to think forward how you can solve the problem get help if you need it but just remember that things will pick back up you have those good days again and, and you can work through it in that way yep absolutely I just want to take a short break to tell you a little about something I've been working on that I'm really excited about. It's called the Logo Designers Box Set. Six ebooks designed to help you through the logo design process from what tools you need, how to create a logo design brief, how to come up with ideas, how you present your work to clients, what files you need to prepare, and how you also find clients of your own too. These six ebooks are totally free to download and you can find them by heading to boxset.logogeek.uk and by downloading them you'll also be signed up to my email newsletter where I'll keep you up to date with all the latest podcast and content that I'm creating so I hope that you'll sign up and find that uh, box set really useful again that's boxset.logogeek.uk now let's get back to the interview now you mentioned about imposter syndrome earlier 
I know that's not mental health in the way that we've been speaking and, you know, getting uh, proper clinical help, uh, which is what, what we've been speaking about. But I know uh, imposter syndrome falls under uh, mental health as well. I, I know, I think in the graphic design space, it's easy to do this because of things like Instagram and oh, Behance yeah. and, and you look online and you think, I'm never going to be that good. No. <laughs> What's the point? <laughs> I know you've got thoughts on uh, imposter syndrome as, as well. Would you mind talking about that a little bit as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, I've suffered from imposter syndrome in the past as a designer, as a person, as, you know, in, in life and at, at work and whatever. And I know that many of us do. Um, I would say most of us, um, most of us do at some point. Um, so imposter syndrome, for those people who don't know, is that feeling that kind of you're um, you're you're going to get found out at any moment, that you're, uh, you're faking it or that you're a fraud or that you you know you can't do what you say you can or that you're never going to be you're not good enough and, and that kind of thing um and yeah we all get it we, we you know I've suffered massively with it especially when I was sort of setting up my business a few years ago it was like I've been out of design for a little while I'm kind of really trying to to get back into it um the way that I view imposter syndrome is it's kind of this feeling because you're usually going through some kind of um, up leveling change, if you like. So um, you get imposter syndrome because suddenly you're sur- you're in a room full of people, or you're looking at stuff that is um, just that that bit above, you know, where you are or where you want to be. So it is kind of, I guess, the way that I see imposter syndrome for for me personally is that I'm feeling like it because I'm going through some. I, I'm about to kind of go up to a bit of the next level in my what I'm doing, and it, it's that fear factor to be honest if you're feeling that about your life and everything else and you're you're looking at Instagram and you're looking at Facebook and you're feeling really you know crap about stuff and the only way to kind of break the cycle of that for me is I delete the apps off my phone if I just start getting really kind of obsessed about how I'm not going to be good enough or you know I take the stand of right here's it I'm just actually going to delete Facebook off my phone I'm going to delete Instagram off my phone and I'm just going to have a pause from all of that because you have to, but you have to break that cycle of thinking somehow. So that's kind of um, a, a way, I guess, that I get around those kind of feelings if they're becoming a bit more intrusive and a little bit more kind of um, distracting me from my own goals and things. Mm. I find one of the most important things is compare yourself to who you were yesterday rather than ah, to compare yourself with yeah. other people. Because if you're continuously developing yourself and you're improving yourself that's the the best way that you can be like there's no point in looking at work from someone else that's maybe been doing it significantly longer than you or they've had more training than you for whatever reason there's no point in comparing yourself with them yeah they 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 are better they might be more talented or whatever but there's there's literally no point in comparing yourself with them focus on improving you focus on personal development which you spoke about if you're not good at presenting not good at talking which is my weakness I'm working to get better which is why I do things like my podcast and why I go to uh why I've been trying to push myself to do speaking at at different things and 
uh, things like that. Focus on self-development yeah. and who you were yesterday. And um, another, a real, you know, personal development thing that I kind of, I think I've latched onto a lot that has helped me both with imposter syndrome, mental health, with everything is just this idea of gratitude as well. Um, and it is, I know it's another cheesy thing that I'm talking about, um, <laughs> but I start my day with, um, I've got this app, it's called, I'm going to tell you what it's called right now. Um, it's called the five minute journal. And it's on your phone and um, you literally start the day. It, you, it asks you for three things you're going to do today to make it amazing. And then you close the day off with, I think, three things that you that you're grateful for for that day. Um, something as simple as just being finding something every single day to be grateful for, whether that's this, you know, you went out with the dog and it was just beautiful or you can't, you know, you've got a new client and you scored like a 10 grand deal or something, you know, it could be something tiny. It could be something massive, but for me, and I think to, to kind of get over some of these issues that I've had and I know that others have is, is really kind of find these little things every single day to be grateful for, because there is something in it every day for even in the darkest and most bleak and most horrific, spiky, horrible, pit of despair there is something there and you have to force yourself a bit sometimes but there is always something to be grateful for and the more we get into that practice the more I think it helps us see the positive in situations even though there are situations where there is no real you know sometimes no obvious positive but just having this gratitude for life and uh, as a kind of a, an aside story my my dad died when I was 27 I guess so a few years ago and I was um, pregnant with my son at the time oh. and yeah my, my dad had um, multiple sclerosis so he was ill for a very long time he was the only way you could describe my dad was he was like a vivacious life and soul of the party he played drums in a band he had his pilot's license he was a scuba diver he was like the social ladies man he was this charming kind of guy that everybody liked had this lust for life and everything else and to see somebody like that have it all kind of stripped away by this illness I mean you wouldn't think there's any kind of positive in that at all because there really isn't it was it was horrible to, to watch and to see and you know um but what it has done for me now is made me realize, and it's taken me quite a few years, because um, I'm a few years older than 27 now, um, it's taken me a few years to to kind of really appreciate that, you know, there by the grace of God goes every, any one of us. And this whole thing for gratitude and just being thankful for what we do have now, rather than really kind of focusing on what we don't, which I think is imposter syndrome, which is also kind of the beginnings of a slippery slope into a low mood um, is, I think, a really important, um, a really important thing to kind of try and embrace a little bit, even though I know it's hard. Mm. Yeah, I I'm, I really love all the mindfulness stuff and yeah. being in the moment and things like that. I think uh, my partner's really into that. And uh, I mean, I've, I've read a few books and stuff on it as well. And there's a few apps that, you know, help with breathing and yeah. stuff like that. And I, I do think that they make a difference and the the five minute journal I, I didn't know that there was an app yeah I need to try that but I I have the or had I had the the printed one yeah and I I found it useful it was really nice to try and think you know what what was good today and as well sorry just to add to that mm. again because my partner's into it she started a positivity jar okay and anytime something good happens you need to write it down and she's got all these little sh- colored sheets of paper you oh. write 
<laughs> you write it down, you fold it out, you put it in a jar, and then at the end of the year, we're going to open them. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, so, yeah, there's loads in there. We, To be honest, we've kind of put it off. We haven't been adding to it, but there's loads of things in there. I can't remember what's there, but at the end of the year, we're going to go through it, and it would be lots of little moments, little things that you forget, uh, but we'll yeah. be able to go through, and I, I just think it's a nice thing. And these are all real parts of a toolkit that you can kind of build around sort of bolstering up your, your mental health and how you feel even if it's just kind of you know uh, just uh, that you have your bad day or whether you're kind of prone to these low moods I think anything you can do as part of a, a kit if you like to, to to help feel better and to focus on on good things then is really important and that sounds amazing and I'm just I might do that I'm writing a note yeah. to myself no, now it's really nice <laughs> yeah both both me and her we do it together and we write things down oh. and uh, I can't remember exactly what we've got in there now but, but yeah, we good. need to add to yeah. it. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice to focus on uh, being present and yeah. the the good things that have happened today, rather than focusing on the bad thing that happened last week or you know this bad yep. thing that's happening. You 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 try to remain positive, and I think it's a nice thing. And I think it's like they say with social media, you get like you can have a hundred positive comments on something, and then one negative comment, and it's yeah. the negative comment that keeps you awake, and, and not the ninety nine <laughs> other. You know, it, so it's um it is really important to find those little little positive positive bits, and and do it every day as well. Like really make it a practice rather than just a one off, because it kind of. Um, you know, if you want to go into neurobiology, it kind of is this, it creates new pathways in your brain, new kind of neural pathways for how you think. So um, mm. it does have a physical effect on your health as well as a, um, as well as just a kind of a more spiritual one, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think because we've hopefully recovered all of the <laughs> mental health stuff in a nice way and, uh, we, you know, we've done what we set out to do. So I'd, I want to ask you about your agency what you, set up. you went into it briefly earlier <laughs> now I know we spoke recently and you spoke about niching down and I did an episode recently on niching down and I know that you've just done that yourself yes could you talk through what you've done and yeah. rather why you've done what you've done and what you're doing now Okay. So um, before I was just kind of like, I design anything for anybody that wants to pay me, <laughs> which is fine if people are kind of bringing stuff to your door. But when it kind of comes to, I guess, a bit more outbound marketing and everything else, um, I've never really niched down before. So that was something I think that I think Chris Doe talks about. I think, you know, lots of other yeah. people in the industry do talk about kind of finding this, this niche, not because you turn away every other job, but just so that, you know, people, if you are going to do some outbound marketing, it's you've got to focus in a direction for it. Um, the reason I chose the niche I did, which is the kind of outdoor adventure and lifestyle space, is because from a purely personal and selfish perspective, that's what I love. So I'm a, a snowboarder, I'm a windsurfer, I, you know, I love to go to Greece and, and windsurf and I, you know, I, I, I just I'm, I'm always in the outdoors we live by the beach I'm in the forest um so the reason I chose the niche I did was I just really purely looked at it and thought what do I like who do I want to hang around with as clients who do I what have I got you know in common with certain people if I'm going to go to trade shows and start you know chatting to people how am I going to make these conversations genuine and not just kind of buy my stuff um so yeah so that that was um what I did and funnily enough I changed all my marketing stuff my LinkedIn profile and literally a week later I had somebody just fall in my inbox talk about serendipity from that niche who wanted me to do like a full identity brand identity um design for them so 
yeah, I watch this space as to how it's going to work with the niching down and whether I, you know, niche further or, or keep it as it is. But, but yeah, it was, um, I, I kind of, I guess when you're self-employed, you get to choose who you work with, um, a little bit. And that was my, my, my choice was to, was to kind of work with people in a space that I find interesting. And I think I've got a, more of a passion for than perhaps if I was going to go and design a widget logo for, uh, but you know, if Mr. Widget guy comes along and says, design my logo, I, you know, I, I probably <laughs> would, but it's, it's more about kind of the outgoing message, if you like, rather than the inbound clients. Yeah. I can, I can hear in your voice, you're really <laughs> excited about it. So how, how long ago was it that you, that you made your mind up to focus uh it's about it was only a couple of months ago so not very okay. long ago at all yeah. okay so since two so two months have gone by what's yeah. different what what's changed for you um I don't know I think I feel more comfortable about when I read my LinkedIn profile or I read my uh, stuff I just feel like it's more me if you like so there's that yeah. so that's that's purely from a kind of um internal perspective um yeah, I, I guess I've got more of a, a target focus with with some outbound stuff that I'm doing as well. Um, I wouldn't say anything's like drastically, you know, revitalized my business or, you know, doubled my turnover or anything. But I think from a, a um, I guess, a, how I feel about the business and when I kind of put myself out there, I feel I've got a bit of more direction rather than just mm. kind of, you know, I guess, just doing a bit of everything for everybody like the local print shop might do or you know I wanted to be a little bit more focused and and have some some direction from a I just from a personal perspective and I think if I to watch this space I'm it's a kind of test isn't it it might work out it might not change anything um I think it's too soon to really be able to decide if that's a if it's a thing that that's going to make a big difference to my bottom line yeah, or not. <laughs> yeah, I noticed I noticed that you still have the it's still under your previous name, it's still under Brand Pharmacy. Yes. Is are you planning to change that or are you sticking no, with the I think the I'm name? just going to stick with Brand Pharmacy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, it, it's awesome what you're doing. I, I love that you're experimenting. So fingers crossed it all goes well for you and I, I look forward to um hearing a, an update in the in the near future. Well, there's one last thing I want to ask you, and that's about a, a challenge that I've seen that you've been doing on Facebook, where you've been reading a whole list of books. I have. In quite a short period of time. Yep. What's the reason you're doing that? And what have you learned from those books? Um, so the reason why was there was a few of us in a, a group that decided we were going to kind of just... Um, just actually spend a bit of time doing some learning in that month yeah. so we we all yeah. did it together so um it was a bit of an accountability thing so the books i read now off the top of my head i can't remember which ones it was so um <laughs> i but i can tell you what i can tell you is i've got a couple of books in front of me now one of which i'm in the middle of reading and one of which i think has really kind of um affected how i'm doing things at the moment um so i could talk about those too if that's okay yeah, <laughs> um okay so the first book is a book called make time now that's written by jake knapp and john zaratsky both of which he used to work at google i think jake knapp is well known for his design sprints etc now the reason that i picked this up was as a self-employed person i'm looking at ways of kind of bookending my day a little bit and making it 
more useful and productive to myself rather than a kind of meandering doing everything all at once and never really finishing anything set up which is is sometimes the way isn't it you never get around to doing yeah. that you never get yeah. around to doing that course you bought ages ago or that read that book that you read ages ago or you know so um so it kind of intrigued me a little bit about the title and I guess the premise of the book in in its entirety is not necessarily about getting more done in the day. It's more about making the time to do the things that are really important. And those things are, you know, looking after yourself, which I'm obviously from what we've talked about today is, is massive in, in my life. Yeah. Um, those things are, you know, the people that are important to you. Um, those are the kind of div- personal development side of it. So making time to up, you know, do different things and change, ha- add skills to your, your repertoire. And um, so that's what, kind of um I think I picked from the book I guess now they they have lots of techniques to do this there's um because there's two authors they have this kind of dual written way in the book so you've got Jake's perspective and you've got John's perspective and, and you know they're, they're different things that you can try and everything else um the one thing that I took I think was around to-do lists because we all have massive to-do lists as self-employed people and it was about taking basically one thing at your highlight and just saying right so what one thing if I do this today and nothing else will be kind of the highlight of my day and it might not even be finish that logo presentation for the client it could be you know, out for dinner with your partner, or it could be my one thing is that I need to go to a sports day with my child or so it's kind of about choosing this kind of daily highlight, I guess, um, and making sure that actually that is your non-negotiable thing for the day. Um, so that was I found that I did find the book incredibly useful, especially when if you're anything like me, you have several plates spinning at once and um and a life and family and ah. yeah I think that overlaps with that five minute journal as yeah. well because I, I don't know if the app's the the same but the the book you, you would have to write down your three things that you need to get done so okay. I, I think that's uh, I assume that's not in the app but in in the book you write down three things that you have to get done and I've always tried to do that so when like my list I've got a long list I'm mm. sure everyone listening to this <laughs> is a long list I, I try to write down one or two or three things I like the one non-negotiable concept though and I liked that you're considering it not just about work it's about personal stuff as well because you can kind of forget about that a little bit uh, <laughs> yeah I forgot about can. eating before working for myself <laughs> oh, so, yeah you forget to go go to the loo you're like I'm, I've needed a meal for ages oh. <laughs> um, no absolutely it's um it, yeah it's a, I, I found it a really easy to read it's a good book with some good um techniques for those of us who are perhaps time challenged during the day and, and never yeah. seem to get to the things we say we want to do you know um but we don't prioritize them so so it's, it's very important. Um, yeah. So that, that's that's one that I've read recently. The book, um, if we've got time, that I'm reading yeah, at the moment, yeah, <laughs> it's a book called Radical Candor by a lady called Kim Scott, who, again, I believe worked at Google. Um, no, sorry, Apple. Yeah, Apple, Google. Um, I think she was employed by Sheryl Sandberg at one point. She's obviously a very high level managerial kind of person in, um, you know, in the tech space in the U.S., now, the book, essentially, the premise of it is, is the subtitle is how to get what you want by saying what you mean. Now, I think it's really aimed at somebody leading a team and a management style and, and everything else. But that's kind of the next step for my business is perhaps to look at, you know, maybe taking on freelancer or something else to, to sort of be able to grow. And it's just interesting how 
the premise, obviously radical candor means you're kind of, you're not fluffing it up. You know, there's these old school management styles of giving people feedback that they say you have to sandwich it in the middle of, you know, some nonsense, good feedback, followed by something bad, followed by something good. And and she kind of blows that out of the water a little bit and just has this way of, of actually, it's about being quite honest, but not being um not being horrible or kind of um you know so so yeah I'm, I'm about halfway through that at the moment and um that was I think it was someone like Jonathan Courtney or somebody I saw had had recommended this on their Instagram so so I, I picked it up thinking that might be useful um at home as well maybe I don't know mm, that sounds really good <laughs> yeah that sounds really good now I I just want to say and um I'm sure other people will notice this as well when you're talking about your business and everything and all the books you sound so enthusiastic and so positive and considering where we started the conversation it's hopefully nice you know someone out there will be listening to this thinking why you started like that and now you're doing something like this and it sounds so exciting (laughs) you sound so happy so I think that's a really good way to kind of wrap up the interview Abby thank you so much for coming on it's it's been really good to chat and I hope I'm really hoping that someone out there even if it's one person will listen to this and and acknowledge that they should probably go and get the help that they need so thank you for being transparent with your story no it's been my pleasure thank you if you listen to this episode let myself and abby know by tagging us on facebook twitter or instagram mental health is a hard topic to talk about so i hope that this interview has inspired you to open up to talk to a friend or to seek professional help if you feel it's needed it's okay to do that myself and abby have done so and neither of us regret it at all if anything it's completely changed our lives for the better so the help is there if you need it so please if you are struggling go and get professional help like i said it's okay to do that If you'd like to follow Abby's journey, head to her website, brandpharmacy.co.uk. Alternatively, head to the show notes for this episode where I'll link to all of Abby's social profiles, as well as any books or resources mentioned in this interview, as well as a full transcription too. To find out, just head to logogeek.uk forward slash 5.8. If you'd like to talk about this episode with myself and Abby and over 7,000 other uh, graphic designers, join us in the Logo Geek community on Facebook. It's totally free to join and it's a designer-only environment. So when you join, you'll be with your people. To find out, just head to logogeek.uk forward slash community. So that is it for this week, but I will see you at the same time next week for another exciting episode of the Logo Geek Podcast.